Good morning, friends. I still can't get used to the mask. When am I supposed to take it off and when am I supposed to keep it on? Please bow your hearts in prayer with me. God, creator, redeemer, sustainer, draw near now. Amen. So to begin, we're going to take it back a bit, all the way back to the beginning of chapter 18, which begins with a question posed by Jesus to the soldiers, priests, and Pharisees, who with his friend or frenemy, as one might say, Judas, disrupts the quiet scene of their private hangout in a peaceful garden. Who is it that you are looking for? Who is it that you are seeking? His response, I am he, or I am, as it is originally translated, is so fraught with influence and power that the entire party falls to the ground in reverence. An encounter with Jesus of Nazareth is like that. It commands a response and the crowd's bowing suggests that even as they walked away from the scene, Jesus bound and in their clutches, they knew something. They had been exposed to the truth. It's questions like these that sit at the heart of Jesus's ministry. What are you looking for? What do you want? And in today's gospel reading, it's in the brief exchange between Pilate and Jesus that we see this same kind of ministry taking place, this digging, this unearthing of truth. Power and truth meet and truth prevails, even if that truth would lie locked away in the heart of a powerful leader, a flawed military official. Jesus is drawing attention to himself again, causing a scene by getting into a bit of that good trouble. He'd raised Lazarus from the dead. He'd healed the sick and fed the hungry. And everyone was watching, witnessing this showing of great power and authority. Jesus was teaching openly in the synagogues about love and freedom and truth. So we know who Jesus is. He's the rebel of the messianic movement. He is the I am. And in John's gospel, he is the truth. But what of Pilate? Who is he? Pilate is a former soldier turned politician under the thumb of Roman authority. He's the emperor's agent. And as the face of Roman control and power, he's worried about the potential for chaos brought on by protest. Pilate's truth tells him he has no, no choice. If he lets Jesus go, Caiaphas will set off a rebellion by declaring him an enemy of Caesar. If he condemns him, Jesus's followers may do the very same thing. Either way, there'd be blood in the streets. There's his, both. So Pilate is a man of power, very much true to the historical framing of his personality, but he's also insecure and vulnerable. So when it comes down to it, it is upon him to show allegiance to Caesar by any means necessary. 
And that for him usually meant some kind of negotiation with truth. Negotiations that always come with a cost. But again, this is an encounter with Jesus, and here, as the powers of this world clash with the power of God, there can only be one truth. When we meet Pilate today, he's facing an inward journey toward personal revelation as he negotiates that truth. Pilate is a man at a crossroads, a spiritual intersection, and this is a crucial and defining moment for him. It's an opportunity for discernment, for tuning in and crossing over. In fairy tales, this is the part where a traveler would meet a divine guide of sorts, one who in some way helps them move or advance from one place to the next. Usually it's an old crone of sorts. I didn't call Jesus an old crone. <laughs> Pilgrimages of this sort usually arise because of an inner knowing in the traveler. The traveler has already awakened to the sense that something in their world is wrong, that in fact it is time for deep and profound change. And this seems to be true of Pilate as he is cast into the darkness before dawn to have a few words with Jesus. He comes with questions and is in turn questioned. So when he asks, are you the king of the Jews? It's personal. Pilate's question is personal and loaded with remnants of stories from the days before, the memories and opinions, the words of others, including the words and accusations of the authorities. You'll have to read on through chapter 19 and also consider the plea of his wife, Claudia, who in Matthew's telling plays a key role in convincing Pilate of Jesus's innocence to get the full story. But this, this is a man struggling. He's wrestling. Pilate wants to know something and Jesus picks up on it. Say what you will about historical Pilate and his ruthless reputation, but in this moment, he's a man with a soul and Jesus wants to get to his heart. Do you ask this on your own or did others tell you about me? Jesus confronts him like this with questions about the source of his information. Is he pro processing all of this on his own or are the words and opinions of others of greater influence? Who is he trying to please? What is he afraid of? What does he really want? Is he ready? What in truth brings him to this moment? Pilate is in the wilderness and can't get out, and he is keenly aware of it. He knows the answers to his questions, but can't or won't proclaim or stand for them publicly when it matters. His quiet liberation or internal revolution won't be sufficient. Pilate's truth doesn't cancel out the eternal truth, and he's left with that fact as a mark on his soul. No amount of hand washing will erase it. Pilate's too entrenched in the cycle of empire. He knows of financial security that affects his decisions. His ties to the empire keep him loyal to the powers that be, making him a weak and ineffective advocate for the cause of Jesus. Jesus will die at the hands of a mob because of it. 
Pilate finds Jesus, the radical leader of the movement, intriguing, perhaps worthy of a good lashing, but not death, certainly not death. When he hands him over, it's not because he's changed his mind about him. He'd simply grown weary. The truth was too much work. Left out of today's reading, but critical for our purposes today, is another question. Pilate asks in verse 38, what is truth? And I hear with his wondering a sigh, one of overwhelming soul-weary exhaustion. Pilate had grown weary of the search, the work of confronting truth, of the thin line he walked as an assumed person of power. Pilate hands Jesus over to be killed because he's tired, tired of wrestling with the truth, tired of the work of discernment, tired of the sole work of justice. He wasn't, or shall I say, is not alone. In chapter 18, others grow weary, and we see it. Some of the disciples gave up when they confessed Jesus' teachings to be too hard. Judas experienced a unique expression of it, fatigue as a lapse of morality, when he betrayed Jesus for a little fast cash. Peter got tired too when identifying with a weak and vulnerable Jesus could cost him his life, he bailed. The examples are there for us to learn from and to, to see how easily it happens to the loyal, the faithful, the ordinary folks like you and me. So we read this sacred exchange and ponder these questions for ourselves. We lean into Pilate's conversation with Jesus in the hope of extracting every bit of goodness we can. We reflect on the negotiations we've made, both great and small, the many ways we've mishandled truth and we repent of it. The many ways we've kept silent, wielded power, allowed ourselves to be swayed by conspired and dangerous groupthink. We remember our own personal journeys and face Jesus for ourselves, prayerfully committed to, if not ready to begin, the required internal work. Today, the last Sunday before Advent, is celebrated as Christ the King Sunday. And it's interesting because Jesus calls himself the bread of life, the light of the world, the son of man, the son of God even, but with a servant's heart and posture never calls himself king. If there be any redemption for such a loaded word today, as we hear it today, we know Jesus' modeling of power and authority as the direction we'd like to take. If we must have a king, then let them be good. Let them model Jesus' way of being and moving in the world, and let any kingdom proclaimed be founded on the flourishing of all God's children. And so the question, is Jesus our king? Are we in alignment with truth? Are we listening for and being guided by that voice? Do we acknowledge the yes in our souls that only Jesus can claim? Are we tuned in to his eternal message? We'll drop this story next week and dive into Luke with Advent and the coming of Christ as our text but today's reflective work 
positions Jesus here. He's in front of us in the courts and in the streets. What will we do with him? Do our questions about him come from our own heart or are we bruised by things others have said? Have we been hurt by systems and powers, the institutions and their mishandling of truth? Have we been so burned that we no longer believe? Will we align ourselves with the movement of Jesus, a movement that does not match what we see in the world, a movement of uncompromising, not only truth, but love? Jesus says it in today's gospel reading, my kingdom is not of this world. Ours is a kingdom of force and fighting, evil and death, and his is not from here. His power is mystical and cannot be contained in this earthly realm. Jesus won't align himself with the power that exalts itself in the manner of Caesar and the empire. He will not do it. His kingdom, if that's the term needed for human understanding, is not of this world, it is the opposite. And no, we can't exempt ourselves from being the being and doing required to live into it in the here and now. We come and become part of it, become part of the work by listening, following his voice. That is the only way to be in alignment with the truth. There's more going on here than our simple understanding of power dynamics. And with Pilate, Jesus requires we dig a little deeper and do a little more work. The truth is hard. In this world, it's almost always open for negotiation. What is true today can be negated tomorrow. There's your truth and there's mine. Our task is to fix our eyes and hearts on and to follow a truth that is eternal. We don't know what happened to Pilate and Claudia, his wife. A legend holds that they are present at the crucifixion and so saddened by Jesus's death that they cannot eat or drink. Whatever we believe, their story and Pilate's name in particular are left for us as reminder and remembrance of just how hard it is to live into and be part of the truth. His story and our continued wrestling with it, both public and private, is uncomfortably familiar today. Deciding the fate of an assumed criminal has been and will always be a complex job. But Jesus won't be part of a system with a vested interest in, at all costs, protecting and promoting the privileged while abusing the marginalized and oppressed. He will not be part of that. Is being armed and dangerous the new morality? What is the truth in the face of a big lie? What of our hiding and avoiding, our pretending and placating? What is truth? Truth demands a reckoning, whether it's reparations for stolen land from indigenous peoples, buildings constructed from the unpaid labor of slavery, or the too many to count lives lost like Jesus's to a broken legal system. It demands a reckoning, but that reckoning requires work on our part. The work of truth bearing and telling belongs to all of us. 
Dr. King says it like this, there comes a time when we must take a position that is neither safe, nor political, nor popular, but we must take it because conscience tells us it is right. It is the right thing to do. And we must act on it. Again, sometimes a quiet liberation is just not enough. If we can learn anything from Pilate, it's that we can't let fatigue water down our commitment to the truth. We have to keep fighting for it. A society of abundance and mutuality, of sharing and love, of peacemaking rather than war, of mercy and forgiveness. A society marked by grace, one that values equality over domination is the dream we fight for, the dream we believe, and it can be realized on earth. By God's grace, we can live even incrementally into the truth. Are we ready to align ourselves with the promise of a new reign of power? What kind of king will we serve and belong to? Jesus, the Jesus of the truth, the Jesus of the way and the life. Are we ready to align ourselves with the promise of that new reign of power? Jesus, the Jesus of the truth, the Jesus of the way and the life, the Jesus that makes you free will we belong to him? That we end our story here is appropriate. Framed as a reading that seals our church year, this text is the perfect prequel to Christ's coming. We leave John's gospel knowing Jesus as crucified under Pontius Pilate, but that the fatal decision that brings us here to this moment is just the beginning of our story. Our faith tells us that this is not the end. Despite our continued wrestling with the truth, there is hope. Amen.